morning church thank you so much uh, for this beautiful time of worship and scripture readings which we have been having for last one hour thank you for reminding me as i was sitting about jesus being the high priest uh, and making the final sacrifice which is the complete job on the cross thank you also for reminding me george of acts chapter 10 where peter saw in a vision the sheet and that same thing he carried into acts chapter 15 during the jerusalem council when paul was being presented and was being challenged there that whether it's whether 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 christ is meant only for the jews and or or for the gentiles also and at that time in the defense of paul we find peter standing up and speaking about the same vision which you mentioned in the book of acts chapter 10 and that's the reason why we have the word of god with us today and it's not something which is biased only towards the jews thank you also for reminding me that when jesus said that he is the lord of sabbath and bringing it out very clear well there are rules but he is above the rules there are stipulations but he is above the stipulations and it has been a good teaching and learning for me in last one hour as i have been reflecting singing along with you thank you so much for that uh, for filling me before we get into the word today and also the gideon report let's bow our heads in prayer for a few minutes uh, lord we just want to thank you thank you lord for your presence is here thank you lord that you speak to us thank you lord that our relationship with you is not just a monologue where we pray god but it's a dialogue where we pray and sometimes we hear you god lord i pray that let this next 35 to 40 minutes be time of not just listening but also hearing you god i pray holy spirit make our ears sensitive make our conscious sensitive lord so that we can receive from you thank you lord it's not about man speaking from his gifts and talents but it's about you ministering god your word reaching out and touching all who are sitting here i pray jesus that let your presence fill this place more and more and let your name be exalted and glorified in this time in jesus name we pray amen right you know i have been you know since the time when jeffrey has been telling me about that i have to speak in this church you know it's been so many messages he said 30 plus 15 30 plus 20 you know it's the various combinations and i was thinking i said oh what this combination message and gideon report and i finally thought that i'm going to try and try and mix the message and the gideon report so that let's not have two compartments where you have one compartment of the message and then another compartment of the gideon report so i said there will be times when when i'll come on this side when i'm speaking the message and when i come on that side i'll be speaking the gideon report and we try and have a mixture of the gideon report and the message will that be okay church okay i'll just make myself little more comfortable trying to push this little behind so that i have more space to move around and you will know whether i'm in the message or i'm in the gideon report right okay we read from the book of luke chapter 15 a very familiar passage right it's a passage of the prodigal son but i'm not going to focus on the prodigal son i'm going to enact this message you know enact means as to how things are happening you know we hear of hollywood right we also hear of bollywood but sometimes i want just and i encourage you think of bible would you know when you read the when you read when you read the word of god close your eyes and see actually how things would be happening in that time and try and bring that context in the 21st century and that is what i call it as bible would right 
Okay, now you imagine a father having two sons. You know, I have two sons. And I tell you, parents, if you have two sons, you are in trouble, you know. Right? And I always tell my wife, you know, keep them busy, you will be easy. If you don't keep them busy, then you are going to be busy. So you, that's, that's the only way out uh, when you have two sons, right? So here you have father having two sons. And you know, every morning, looking at, you know, they have a dining table in the house. And every morning, you know, when, when the dining table and, and the time for breakfast is set, let's say 8 o'clock in the morning, we're to meet up for breakfast and you have the eldest son you know who is who is really decked up in suit and tie and comes there the father is sitting there the table is well laid out he's a rich man come on the bible says the, because he had you know whole lot of property that's what he divided so imagine that he's a rich man so he has chef serving things and everything is laid out he sits at the head of the table and you know the eldest son comes dressed up properly in suit and then they are waiting it's eight o'clock the younger one hasn't come and you know he keeps waiting the younger one hasn't come and then he shouts where are you and then you find the younger one comes, you know, just opening his eyes, not even taking a proper shower, and he comes and sits down. It happens sometimes in the homes, right? So you have both of them sitting there, and the father says the morning prayer and serves both of them, you know, porridge here and porridge here, right? And then he asks the elder son, he said, son, what's the plan for today? And the elder son says, dad, I'm thinking of buying two fields next to it. So I have an appointment with the bankers where I need to take some loans. You know, there are some tractors and some farming equipment which need repair. So I've called the workshop guys and I'll be dealing with them. You know that there are some issues with what we have sent to the market for selling. So I'm trying to get to the marketing guys and see that the sale takes properly. That I also have some arrangements with the bank. So these are five meetings which are scheduled for me today, right? And and the servants who are serving the table, you know, in their mind they are thinking you know how intelligent the elder son is you know he is such an obedient guy you know and look at this younger one you know he is the dirt and filth he just comes and sits down he has nothing to do with dad's business every day he takes money goes out squander and comes back so this is what is happening every day on that table right am i right you know, it's Bible wood, you know. We are, we are in the era trying to bring that story in the 21st century. And now what's happening is the younger one has gone away. The breakfast time is still the same. The table is set up in the same way. The father comes there in the morning. And the father sits there. And you have on the left the elder son. But the chair on the right side is empty. And father asks the same question to the elder one. And the elder one gives the same replies. He's speaking about the expansion in the business. He's speaking about the profits which he's making. He's speaking about the new initiatives which he's taking. He's speaking about the developments which are, which are taking place. And father is listening. But the father's hand picks up the porridge. And his father's hand is used to go on the left to serve the elder one. And automatically the father's hand goes to the right side. But the chair on the right side is empty but the elder son is busy is telling about all his ventures and all his achievements but still does not get connected to the heart of the father my question today to you church is father decided not to go and look for the younger son what stopped the elder brother to go and look for the younger brother are you with me are you with me in this question Father decided not to go and look for the younger son. But what stopped the elder brother to go and look for the younger brother? The Bible speaks about it very clearly that it was a time of famine. It was a time of famine which was struck. 
That means the elder brother was so involved in doing things which are right and which are right and which are right and yet he did not see the pain in the father's heart. Yet he could not connect to the father's heart. The heart of the father was not in what's happening in the house but the heart of the father is outside the house in the sun which is lost. That's where the heart of Christ is. And we're going to speak today in next 35 minutes on something which is called as missions. How do we define missions? And the first thing I want to bring out about missions is that the heart of Christ is in missions and we all are missionaries. The heart of Christ is in the missions and we all are missionaries. And I'm going to begin with asking you a question. And it's going to be an interactive session, right? We're not going to have, you know, where you have preacher coming and speaking. No, let's have a bit of interaction. You know, you hear something about, you know, when you travel, you get points and you become silver member. Sometimes you become bronze member. Sometimes you become gold members. You know, everywhere you have all these cards. Am I right or wrong? You know, you go to shopper stop, they want to make you some privileged members and everywhere you go, there are all cards which are moving around. Right? I want to ask you a question. And my question is, when was the last time? When was the last time that you shared Christ with somebody? My question is, when was the last time that you shared about Jesus Christ with somebody? Well, if you have shared it within a week's time and you do it once in a week, you belong to the gold member of Christ Missions Club. If you do it once in a month, you belong to the silver membership of Christ Missions Club. If you do it once in six months, well, you made an entry. And if you have not done it in last six months, there is a problem. There is a problem. I want to tell you, church, that the heart of Christ is in the missions. The heart of Christ is in those people who are not sitting in these four walls, but is in the people who are outside the four walls. I may do things right. I may do things right for the kingdom of God at all times. But unless my heart goes where my father's heart is, unless I connect to where my father's heart is, I'm missing on something. I'm like that elder brother. I'm like that elder brother who is doing things right. I'm like that elder brother where people around me keep telling me that I am the best in the house. But when it comes to my relationship with my God, I have not connected to his heart. I have failed to connect to his heart. That's subcomponent of my message. Now I stand here and speak about the Gideons. The Gideons ministry is a ministry which goes outside the church. It's a ministry which goes outside in those places where church does not get an access to. If I have to define the Gideon ministry in just one sentence, this is how I would define it. We are men of the church. We are men of your church. Working for the church. Where? Outside the church. For what? To get people inside the church. 
So the Gideon ministry is not a ministry which just deals with Bible distributions. It's not a ministry which deals just where you stand with boxes out and we speak figures that we distributed 1.5 crore Bibles in 20 languages within India, starting from Barmer in the west, getting across to Manipur and Mizoram and Arunachal in the northeast or Leh in the north and Nagarkoil in the south. No, that's about statistics. But Gideon speak about Jesus in the darkest of places. And it makes a difference. We are missionaries, an extended arm of the church who wants to work outside the four walls to get people inside these four walls. I want to, I want to read out something to you. Binda, can I have my phone please? I got a message in the morning and I want to read that out. It was a very encouraging message. Can you please come and give me that? Yeah, thank you. This happened to me in the morning and I want to tell you things like this happen in the Gideon ministry every day. Alright, in Chennai, we were having the Pongal festival and a fair. Now this message comes to me from one of the camps in Chennai early in the morning. Paul Paravisaram, a member of camp, used to visit a factory and had been going through the security personnel. Few days ago, the security guard was excited and told the member that my daughter-in-law had received had my daughter-in-law had been in the Pongal fair and got a copy of a Bible and she's reading it regularly. Brother Paul realized that this woman would not have reached through any other channel of distributions. Number two point, one girl called on the phone given in the testaments, which was printed in the testament, said she came to Marina Beach to kill herself. She thought she will go to the Pongal fair nearby till it becomes dark. Once she received the testament, the spirit of suicide left her. She prayed, Jesus, if you are true, grant that I will be reconciled with my fiancé. She was, and she called and informed that she wants to follow Christ. One Dr. Palani, an orthopedic chairman, came and was in tears because neither his wife nor his children were with him. He took the book and said that this book is of God who gives peace. Our brother's prayed for him and gave him a new testament. One one man came to the Gideon stall in the same fair, suddenly shouted, look Santhali, Santhali, I have never seen this language in Chennai. We had displayed 20 languages and one of them was Santhali. He wanted a Santhali New Testament and he received it. This message I got in the morning while I was preparing myself for this place. Church, this is what Gideon's ministry is. It's not about statistics. It's not about numbers. But it's about sharing Christ with people one on one. It's about getting into those areas where sometimes it becomes inaccessible for church to get into those areas. And when we get into those areas, it's not just that we carry ourselves. We carry with us our passion to speak about Christ to them. And also give away the copy of the word of God. Are you with me church? Right? Now I'll step down and we get back on the message again. Now the question is, why didn't the elder brother get across to look for the younger brother? Right? Very valid question. Right or wrong? Father decided not to. And if you read in the book of Luke and you read, and you read the previous two stories, the previous two stories speaks about a sheep out of hundred sheep, one sheep going astray. And Jesus says, well, I'll go after that one sheep and I'll get that sheep back. It speaks about a lost coin. It says that the coin got lost and the woman lighted a lamp and said, I'm going to look for that coin. And when she found, she rejoiced. But in the case of prodigal son, the father decides not to go after the prodigal son. Very valid. Sheep sometimes get lost 
into into jungles not because of their fault but sometimes erroneously they make wrong decisions coin falling out of a hand of a woman is not coin's fault here it's the woman's fault that she couldn't handle the coins so jesus says sometime if you erroneously make wrong decisions i'll come and get you jesus says that if you get into a problem because of somebody else's fault i'll come and get you but jesus says if you make wrong decisions on your own that's what the younger one did and if you rebel against me well i'll wait for you to come back but i may not come after you so that's putting all the three stories in the right context but again coming back to the question why didn't the elder brother go and look for the younger brother why is it sometimes that we find it so hard to share about christ to others why is it that sometimes in a place of work we are super christians we know the word of god we attend every biblical meetings we try and attend every fasting and prayer but when it comes to opening my lips and share with someone that jesus is lord there is a fear that sets upon me and puts me on a back foot why i'm going to give you four reasons as to why that happens the first reason is my own reputation the first reason is my own reputation now you imagine if this elder brother had to go and look for his younger brother kis jagah pe jata dhoondne ke liye where he would have gone to look for the younger brother would he have come to the church to look for him would he have asked the pastor youth pastor pastor you know my younger brother you know actually he is a good person but sometimes when he drinks you know he loses his senses he drinks no no actually only gambles and then he drinks you know then he loses his temper you know he gambles no no actually when he falls into bad company and then drugs you know then gambling starts you know well actually if he had to go and look for the younger brother he would have had to go into the red light areas he would have had to go in the pubs and he would have had to go in the darkest of places in the city and asking have you seen my younger brother but he was a man of reputation he was a man who carried a brand along with him because of what he had upon me so he was apprehensive that if he gets into those places and there is a whatsapp picture which is taken there and put on the group of the church he will lose his testimony am i right or wrong church come on church we are talking brass tacks warfare here the spiritual warfare of reaching the lost sometimes we are scared about our reputation it happened with me we had franklin graham coming into hyderabad and i have i have been witnessing to a friend of mine whose name is karun karkanal arun eri shama a super guy i said come let's go for the meeting and we went for the meeting and and you know when you go into huge christian crusades 80% of the crowd which come there are christians only right or wrong come on yeah and we were standing at the gate of the gate of the stadium there right and as we were standing at the gate of the stadium arun said navneet hang on yeah i said what happened arun he said yeah inside i can't smoke let me have a last cigarette before i go in i said mar gaya main yahan pe prabhu executive director of the guardians international standing outside franklin graham crusade our stadium at the gate and lord with a man who is smoking lord allow all the whatsapp to be shut lord and no camera should work at this time god you know what i was thinking was my reputation well it makes a difference but what what makes a difference before christ is not my reputation it's about what i'm doing for him yeah i take that man inside and franklin graham preaches gives an altar call he's about to get up and make a decision and he again sits down and i put my hand around him i said arun is it all well he said yeah it's fine we come out we sit in the car i said is it your lifestyle which bothers you that if you become a believer you know you will not be accepted with the lifestyle what you are following as of now 
and he was quiet about it and the next thing he said you know nobody we need to go out because i need to have some drinks before i have my dinner so i said no problems let's go sometimes we are worried about our reputation but i want to tell you church when you need to get into those places it's not about your reputation it's about what christ expects of you and christ expects of the elder brother was to go and look for his younger brother no matter where he is let's get to the second reason what stops us from going and meeting people and sharing with them about christ we are scared of the questions which they will ask us every time if i have to share about jesus to somebody you know some of the very famous questions which i come across is acha namni tell me when did you come to know jesus you know i came to know jesus when i was 17 years of age ah tabhi to problem hai na tune bhagavad gita to padhi nahi you haven't read the bhagavad gita have you read the hindi hindu scriptures no you haven't read them so how do you know that your bible is right and they are wrong wo bhi to yahi bolte hain they also tell the same things which are there and there are various other questions and one of the common questions common questions just 3 days back i was in delhi and i was in the gym in the morning and i was running and after running i was spending time with a man and i was i asked i told that man i said look i'm a christian and who are you he said i'm a businessman working in a finance company and we started talking and he said he said you know the problem with the religion is that religion divides people all the wars which are happening in the world are because of religion aren't they the common questions come on church you try and speak about jesus to somebody who doesn't know jesus and you will be thrown with questions like this upon yourself and you get on the back foot and you say yaar mujhe kya zarurat hai why should i get into an argument i am not ravi zakarias neither i have done any course in apologetics where i need to go and get into discussions about all these things i am happy in my church god i go there every sunday stay there for 3 hours get blessed and i come out why should i get into all these problems but i want to tell you church You don't need to be brother Ravi Zacharias or learn apologetics as long as you know about five things about Christ that he's born of the virgin that he lived a sinless life he was son of man and he was son of god he died on the cross for you and me he got resurrected and he's going to come back again and if you know about these five things you can speak about Christ to anyone because that's the uniqueness about Christ and that will take away your fear to share about Jesus to someone Let's get to the third reason what stops the elder brother to get to the younger brothers. You know our own life is not right. You know if I tell somebody in my office, you know brother, you do you know about Jesus Christ? Yeah, कल तो तू बड़ा गुस्सा हो रहा था. Yesterday तो you were very angry. Remember ten days back you told two lies, and now you want to preach me about Christ? You know our own lives. our own lifestyle does not commensurate with what we read in the word of god and i want to tell you church even if there is a gap between the ideal what our life should be and what our life is that should not become a barrier for me to speak about christ but that should become a strength for me to tell others that look i am still dust i still my frame is weak i still err but i live under the grace of god i live under the grace which is still working on me i live under god who is still not finished working on me and trying to make me in his own image but when i see my lifestyle i try and back out and say you know why should i why should i speak about christ to others and the fourth reason is a reason i'm too comfortable in my comfort zone i'm adapted in my comfort zone 
Oh, Navneet, you got a good testimony from, from Hindu background, you became a believer. You're part of the missions committee of a mega church in Hyderabad, part of an executive committee of a biggest church, part of the, part of the international board of Gideon's international, of the Indian board of the Gideon's international holding a good position. I'm well accepted within the Christian community. I've got two children, one wife, very happy, four wheeler, one house, beautiful, you know, everything is hunky dory, Lord. Why should I go and create problems for myself? We are too set in our comfort zones and we don't want to reach out to people. But where is the heart of Christ? The heart of Christ is outside. I may do things right. I may do things right. But if I don't connect to that heart, I'm missing the mark. I'm missing the mark totally. Let me get on to the Gideons now and give you a little rundown on things. Well, Gideons share the Bible without fear with people whom they meet. Two days back I was sharing in the pastor's banquet and I had received a testimony. And that testimony was that one of our Gideons was speaking in Chennai in a secular conference. And in a secular conference, he was speaking to the HR professionals and he puts a slide and he puts a verse of the Bible in that slide from the book of Proverbs that without vision people perish. And one of the ladies comes to him and says, it was very bold on your part to put the biblical verse in a secular conference. And then she said she's an atheist. And she said there was a time when she knew God, but now she has totally transgressed and moved into a different realm. And she is an, she's an atheist. And this man witnessed to her about Jesus Christ. Not just witnessed to her about Jesus Christ, but gave her a copy of the Bible. And after a few days receives a text message from that lady that after 10 years, for the first time, she went to the church and she's getting into a relationship with God. Gideons speak from their lips out about Jesus to others. They share Christ with others. It's not about mass distributions. It's about sharing Christ. It's about sowing the seed. It's about telling others about the love of Christ. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. In December 2014, we had some guests in our house. Colonel Amarji Jha, one of my friends, and along with his wife and two daughters. And I think it was 29th, 30th December or so. And you know, we had a, we had a meeting which continued, we, means we had dinner that continued till about 12, 12.30 in the night. And as they were leaving, I said, can I spend some time in prayer with you guys? Do you have some needs? And they, all of them gave some of their needs. And I started praying with them. And before they left, I gave them, I gave the daughters a copy of a holy Bible. I thought, my job is done. Six months later or seven months later, in 2015, July, I got a call from Amarjeet. He's sitting somewhere in the deserts. And he said, Yaar, tune kya kar diya? I bola, what happened Amarjeet? And we are bum chums, you know, same squad and NDA and everything same. He said, Yaar, Diksha wants to become a Christian. So, I said, she wants to become a Christian. Well, is, it, is it an emotional decision or something? I said, why don't you, why don't you send me her number and I'll, I'll speak to her. And he sent me her number and I got one of our lady colleagues of her office and three of us sat down, got Diksha on the conference call. And we said, Diksha, tell her, tell us what is your experience. She said, she said, uncle, when you prayed the other day and you gave me that Bible, something touched me. I do not know. And I've been reading that Bible since then. And I cannot bow down before the idols in my house. 
I cannot go to the temple any longer where my grandparents want to take me. And I want to go to a church and I don't know where to go. Immediately we connected her to a church and she is in touch with the office lady staffs trying to speak to her. How does it happen? It happens because Gideons speak about Christ to others. Because Gideon ministry is not just a ministry of mass evangelization by giving the word of God, but it's a ministry of one-on-one dealing with people. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Let me get down again and we continue with our message. And the message continues. I gave you four reasons of the elder brother, right? And the first point about missions is that missions is the heart of Christ. And we all are missionaries. We have a job. We have a job at our hand. And our job is not a job that I gather spiritual muscles, but I exercise my spiritual muscles. And I'm glad that your church is full into missions. I was speaking to Jeff, and Jeffrey brought that out very so beautifully about the track distributions which you all do, and about the other mission activities which which you do. And I encourage you, I encourage each one of you, that you are the salt. But you imagine husbands, you come back home and you ask your wives, what's there for dinner? And she says, salt. Will you like it? No. Salt is important to add fragrance. That's what we are meant for. To add fragrance wherever we go. Let's get to the second point about missions. Mission is a call. One man and one woman responding to that call makes a difference. Mission is a call. One man and one woman responding to that call makes a difference. Let me take you back in history. Not very back. Not not much back. I'll take you to 1988. I was a second lieutenant or I was maybe yeah, a lieutenant that time posted in a place called Noshera. Ahead of Jammu, you go to Aknur. Ahead of Aknur, you go to Sundarbani. Ahead of Sundarbani, you go to Noshera, Rajori, Punch. You might have heard these places in newspaper when you would be hearing. It's an eyeball to eyeball deployment with Pakistan. So beautiful. Every night is a Diwali. You don't have to buy crackers. You have enough with you to uh, uh, keep firing there and it's fun. And when you are a lieutenant, you are on the front post there, you know, just 30 yards from the enemy and it's just beautiful. Right? And, and at about 8 o'clock in the night, I, you know, there are no phones. You have mobiles and all those phones. Those times they were army phones are phones which are, you know, which, which run on the, you know, you draw the handle and the phone rings at 8 o'clock in the night and there is somebody from the exchange and says, uh, sir, aapke rishtadar aapse baat karenge. Your relative wants to speak to you. I said, my relative? At 8 o'clock in the night? How can somebody even get in touch with me at this place? And before I could say, the guy was on the other line and he said, in a fumbling and a broken English voice, that I am George Masih and God has sent me to Noshera as a missionary. And I was preaching in the square of Noshera and people stoned me. The army rescued me. And they said, there is one officer who sits on the post who is a Christian like you. So that is why they are connecting me to you. And I was thinking in my heart, I said, Lord, of all the places in India, you had to send this man to a place which is Muslim dominated place. And I said, who will give me permission to leave my forward post, come down to the base which is four hours walk and then sit in a jeep another one and a half hours to get to Noshera and meet this man up? And exactly these things were going in my mind. And after 45 minutes, I get a call from Captain Banerjee, who was then my adjutant. And he said, hi guy, what's up? I said, same, what's been up every night? 
So he said, well, there is a new machine which is called a hand cipher machine which has come into Noshera Brigade Headquarters. The commanding officer wants you to be trained on that machine. So you need to come down and attend that training for next five days. I said, sir, it's an answer to prayer. He said, what do you mean? I said, I was thinking, who will call me down from here and send me to Noshera and you give me a solution for that? He said, yeah, the solution is there, but every night you need to be back on your post. So I said, fine, that's absolutely okay. Next morning, came down at 4 o'clock, came down, reached about 7, 7.30, took a jeep, went for my class, in which I might have slept maybe most of the time, and then met George Masih, whose room was as big as this stage, where he stayed, just one mattress, and they had a little stove on the side, which was there, and he was a missionary in that place. After three months, when I came down to Noshera, in that same room, we had five people sitting and the Bible was being read in English, being thereafter in Malayalam, thereafter in Urdu, thereafter in Hindi. In that same room. After six months, that room was short, was small and they shifted to another place. And there was a birth of a church in that place. After another one year, George Masih got married, got his wife into that place. And it was a full-fledged church operating in Noshera. One man responding to a call makes a difference. That's what missions is all about. The question is, are you being called? The question is, do you feel the call of the Lord in your life sometimes? Do you feel that the Lord is speaking to you sometimes? Let me take the history a little forward and get you to 2006. Same scenario, this time only difference is that I am not a lieutenant, I am a colonel this time. And I am sitting in a place called Uri, which is ahead of Baramula in Shirinagar, in the month of November, where the temperatures are touching below zero degrees, zero degrees Celsius. And I am sitting in a beautiful heated office of mine, because that's, that's the position which gets me that office. And I have 20 officers and 800 men commanding right on the same way, the, on the line of control. Again, Diwali happening every night over there. And, and you have everything, and again the phone rings. And again the same sentence, Sir, your relatives have come to meet you. And this time I said, Lord, again some relatives. So I said, please send them in. And you had a couple coming in there. A couple from Hindustan Bible College in Chennai, walking into Uri, when the winters are going to set in, or already set in, and they walk in, Wearing a thin shawl. And you can imagine. You know, I, I have seen troops in the army, you know. And if you see Chennai troops, Madras regiment serving in Kashmir, that itself is the Bakalya. I'm not saying, you know, it, it is tough. Come on, guys. It is tough, you know. There is no doubt about it, you know. That those temperatures are zero degrees. You belong to place which is hot, hotter and hottest. And then you find, and then you find this couple. And I asked them, I said, I said, come on, tell me what, what, what are you here for? They said, well, we have come here to start work in Uri. And I looked at God and said, God, even if you wanted to send them, why didn't you send them in the month of May, God? Why are you sending them in, sending them in the month of November? And we had conversations. My unit was moving out from there in the next 20 days time. All assistance what I could give to that couple, I gave to that couple. And about two months back, I called up Hindustan Bible College and I said, I spoke to the missions director and I told them, I said, look, I want to know 
that there was a couple which was serving in Uri in 2006. I have lost contact with them. I have never got in touch with them for last nine years. Can you tell me where are they? And the voice on the other side said, are you Colonel Navneet Chabra speaking? I said yes. They said they started working on a school. They opened a children's school in Uri and now they have moved to another place. Mission is a response to a call. The question is, you are that one man and one woman who at some point of time have to make a choice whether you respond to that call or not. It's not just a call of being, working, going to various tough places and serving. It's a call which may be right here in the city for you to work as missionaries. Let me get on to the Gideon platform now. Gideon ministry also is a call. You know, many people look at Gideon ministry and say, you know, volunteers, hain, professional, hain. you know, half the time people think, you know, jitne saath saal ke upar hote hain, sab Gideon mein chale aate hain. You know, the general tendency is, you know, and the only guy you find, Jeffrey Ayer, you know, maybe I am the odd man out in the Gideon ministry, right? But it's not the ministry of the volunteers, but it's the ministry of people who are called by God to serve Him. Serve Him with passion. Serve Him to share about Jesus with others. Serve Him by giving away the copy of the Word of God. I'll share with you my own testimony. I came to know Christ from a Hindu background. 1976, my sister came to know the Lord. When she comes back home and she says she's not going to bow down before any idol, she was slapped and beaten up and locked up in a room. She was strong in her faith. 1980, she decided to leave Delhi to pursue her high studies. That was just an excuse. She wanted a church. She wanted to be part of a church. She wanted to take water baptism. So she went to a smaller city of Jaipur so that she's away from the clutches of parents. And before leaving, she left for me a Gideon New Testament and asked me to read it. And my response to her was, I've been seeing you getting beaten for the last four years. I said, I'm not going to read this book. Yeah. And I put that book on the shelf. Two years later, when I was 1982, 17 years in my 12th standard, wanting to become an engineer, but somehow finding all doors getting closed, and I started asking questions to myself, who controls my life? What's going to happen to my future? Who's going to take care of my future? And to get the answers to those questions, I started reading that word of God. And as I started reading that word of God, I struck a verse. And the verse said that when you believe in Christ, you pass through judgment and you walk into eternal life. And all my life, my teaching was that I need to reach Christ by my work and by my karma and still can never be assured of getting salvation. And here the Bible is speaking that it's not through your karma, it's not through your knowledge, it's not through your meditation, but it's by believing in Christ that you can earn your salvation. Because He has finished the work. And this verse is in John 5, John chapter 5, verse 21. And I knew that I need to make a call. I need to take a choice. And I took a choice. I said, Jesus Christ, if you are true and living God, I want you to be the chief architect of my life. Pave the way, God, what you desire. Fulfill the plan, what you have. When you read Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, the plans which God has for you are plans for good to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. The question is, they are not the plans which I have for myself, but I should be able to say the plans which God has for me. I didn't know that this prayer will make me a Christian. I didn't know that this, that, that this sentence is called a prayer. Eight months later, my sister came and started witnessing to me. And she said, you need to do this. I said, I've already done that eight months back. What next? She said, you need, you need to take water baptism. And I took water baptism on 26th March, 1983. 
Somebody took an effort to give that Gideon Bible to my sister who left it for me. Somebody paid for printing of that Gideon Bible. Somebody prayed when that distribution was on and somebody took an effort to take out time to get to a place and give it into my sister's hand. But does it make a difference? It makes a difference. You cannot do these things because you are volunteers. You cannot travel the breadth of and the length and breadth of India because you are a volunteer. Jeffrey cannot give his time in the office and in the evenings for the Gideon's work because he's a volunteer. You do this when you are called to serve God. You do this when the call of the Lord is upon you and says, well, I want you to do this and I want you to do this. Sometimes when I get up in the morning and I see my Blackberry, it's full of messages and emails and most of those emails and messages comes from people who are professionals. Come from people who are in senior positions where you know the time is at premium for them. But why do they work? They work because it's a call in their life to serve God. They are not just satisfied to be part of four walls and say, Lord, that's what my destiny is. No God, my destiny is where your heart is and I will go there. Missions is a call. One man and one woman responding to it makes a difference. Let's get back to the message and come to the third point. Missions is sowing where results are not instant. Missions is sowing where results are not instant. You know, this day is what? Every, this, this, this age is a day, 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 a era of instant. Instant coffee. Instant noodles. Instant fast food. You want quick results. Come on. Am I right or wrong? The patience is getting down. You from 2G to 3G to 4G. Right? You know, you can't wait when that, when your phone gives that roundel that it is still searching. You want quick. Everything is wanting quick, right? I was trying to find my way in Bangalore and my GPS stopped working. And I told my wife, look, even the woman in the phone is not speaking to me because you are sitting next to me now, you know. <laughs> and finally I had to take an auto and say, guy, now you direct me where I have to go. I'll pay you, but I won't sit in your auto now. Okay? So what I'm saying is everything is instant. You want everything instant, but missions is sowing. Missions is sowing where results may not be instant. Where results may not be instant. But we sow. Why do we sow? We sow, we sow in faith. The Bible speaks in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 that without faith it's impossible to please God. What's faith? Faith is God I do. I do not see the result but I yet do God. I do not see it with my eyes which are physical eyes God but I still do it. Get me, let me get back to the Gideon's platform. Gideon's believe in Isaiah 55, 11, where it says, it word when it goes out does not come back void, but it accomplishes the purposes for which it goes. Now, it's sowing in faith. I don't see the result instantly. I don't see what's happening instantly. What I read out to you from this message was something which was instant because the Pongal fair was on and these are some responses which came instantly. But every time it's not like that. 
Five, six days back, I was in Raipur and from Raipur went to Bilaspur and in Bilaspur, I was speaking to a group of people and some of those people, they came and said that these are the areas of Nazilite and they have penetrated inside those areas with Gideon camps and there are Bible distributions which are being done in the uniformed carter of Nazilites. And people are coming to know the Lord there. And some of the people said, the amount of work which is going on for Christ in Chhattisgarh may not be happening anywhere else in India. And what I just told them was one sentence. I said, if at some time revival comes in the state of Chhattisgarh, Lord, there will be a portion of Gideon's contribution in that revival because we have been sending lakhs and lakhs of scriptures in Chhattisgarh, getting into the hands of people. We sow in faith. We believe that the Bibles which we give are not just ink sprinkled on paper, but it is the very breath of God. We believe that when people read that word of God, the word becomes alive in their lives and start speaking to them, start ministering to them, and start changing and transforming their lives. We believe that that word may keep lying in shelf for two years or five years, but at some point of time, it will come to good use, and that time would be a time which Holy Spirit has destined for that person. Missions is about sowing in faith where results are not instant. Anyone of you have been to Mizoram here? Good brother. Aizol. You land at Aizol airport and you see a cross there at the Aizol airport. 98% Christians in Mizoram 1894, first time the missionaries stepped in that area. Did that missionaries knew at that time that after 120 years, in a country of 1.3 billion population, which has 97% people of other faith and just 3% Christian, there will be one state which will have 98% Christians. Did that missionaries knew? They didn't know. But they sowed in faith. And God honored their faith. Gideon's ministry, 1899, two men met, thought about placing Bibles in hotels. 116 years later, did they ever imagine that after 116 years, this ministry would be running around in 200 countries, distributing more than 8.5 crore Bibles in 100 languages as a free gift in the hands of others? Could they imagine when they were starting the very first step of this movement. No, they could not. When you sow, you sow in faith, in missions. It's about sowing in faith. Not seeing the full quantum of results, what you want to see. And that's what Gideon ministry is all about. We sow in faith. I want to share with you a testimony and then I'll get to the last point and bring it close to my message. And this testimony is about, about a gentleman whom I met in 2013 December, me and my wife were in Udaipur for a three days vacation and we attended the church called the Philadelphia Church in Udaipur on Sunday. And, and, and just, there were some Gideons and they brought me into the front, front row. I, you know, Gideons always dress up in coat, coat and ties, you know. I was in jeans that time and I was very apprehensive to come forward, right? I didn't know that the gentleman sitting next to me was a bishop. His name is Jonathan Ansar. And he, 
after the service got over he said i'm jonathan ansar go and google my name and i you guys are young so most of you would be familiar with it right go and google his name and read his testimony his name is jonathan ansar a n s a r alpha november sarah alpha romeo i came out and read his testimony jonathan ansar was a muslim given a title hafiz Hafiz is a title given to a Muslim who knows Quran from first page to the last page. Jonathan Ansar in 1973 published pamphlets in which he wrote that Jesus Christ died in Kashmir. And since then he started having weird dreams and in his dream he saw himself falling down. And as he saw himself falling down, he called on the name of his prophets, he called on the name of Allah, but his falling down did not come to an end until in his dream he called on the name of Jesus. And when he called on the name of Jesus, he saw a cross dripping with blood moving towards him and piercing through his body. And Jonathan Ansar decided to share his dream with his parents and his parents said, Dimaag sarak gaya hai iska. Aur usko pagal khane mein bharti kara diya, he was admitted in a mental asylum. in a psychiatric ward and he asked the nurse can i have a book to read and the nurse tells him the only condition i'll give you a book to read will be when you give me an assurance that you will not tear that book and he said he won't tear it and the nurse hands him over a gideon full bible a gideon full bible in a mental asylum in hand of a psychiatric patient who is a muslim and who is anti christ and he starts reading it He says he read through the first four gospels and didn't didn't make much sense to him but when he started reading the book of Romans his life was changed and he further explains in his testimony he says every time when i was receiving my muslim education i asked people that you want me to clean my body you want me to pour water even between my fingers before i get into my time of reading namaz but water cleanses my body what will cleanse my spirit and my conscience and i never got an answer to that question but when I started reading through the book of Romans I realized that all are sinners and I am a sinner and I realized that there is only one thing which can cleanse my conscience and that is the blood of Christ and Jonathan Ansar was revealed this revelation in a mental asylum reading a Gideon Bible and he accepted Jesus in his life while he was still admitted in the hospital he came out from there told his father that he is not going to get up in the morning at 4 o'clock and read namaz the door was opened and he was shut shunned out of the house in the winters today he is bishop jonathan ansar residing in ambala having more than 300 churches under his jurisdiction and is part of my whatsapp group i want to tell you church for how many years that bible would have laid in that mental asylum for how many years I don't know who placed it I don't know who made an effort to go there and put it in that place I don't know but I know one thing that God in his time had the person and the word of God and the holy spirit working together to choose a man It's not just about one man getting transformed church through a bible but it's about what that one man can thereafter do for the kingdom of God that matters Sometimes we take the efficiency in a manner one bible one man no god picking a one man and that one man can further reach out to many people for the kingdom of god but it's about sowing in faith it's about a call and not as volunteers let's get back to the message we read we read three components of missions missions is the heart of christ we all are missionaries the second component mission is a call 
one man and one woman responding to that call makes a difference and you are that one man and one woman sitting in this church the third component is mission is sowing in faith it's it's results are not instant and the fourth point which i want to bring out to you is missions are costly missions cost do you agree with me missions cost it takes your time it takes your efforts you know many people raise their hands when you have when you when you have a mission sunday in the church i don't know my ag church they have mission sunday you distribute cards and you have whole lot of preparations and banners and everything you know and people get charged up and they raise their hand that they want to serve in some part of the missions uh, over there but when i sit with them in my first sitting i always tell them i said missions are costly but christ says something so beautifully when you put your hand on the plow there is no turning back christ speaks very beautifully when he says you know well let the parents take care of themselves well he's not trying to he's not trying to defy his own commandment which is given no we honor our parents but sometimes we know as to where the priorities are in our heart mission sometimes will take away your time and will also take your resources it doesn't come easy when you have to work it takes an effort to get into those places let me share with you i got posted to bhutan in the year 2000 bhutan is a country which is close to the gospel i had an option of going on foreign assignments to united nations but i chose to go to bhutan because my desire was to get into a country which is close to christ i always used to see the foothills of bhutan when i was in the anti insurgents operations in assam trying to trying to catch whole lot of good guys uh, there but then landed up in bhutan there was a small room which was designated as church in bhutan in the army garrison you have a gurdwara mandir church masjid you know a sarv dharm sthal you know it is for all religions so that room was closed we activated that room as a full fledged church there were people around in the villages who were believers but you know how they used to come they never came as a family to that room one sunday the husband will come second sunday the wife will come because the government used to have their vigil on them we had a christmas service not a single man came because they were given notices that if you go to the christmas service in the army garrison your services will be terminated but when they used to come if i see my 32 years of time of prayer and fasting their prayers and fasting were more intense than what i have seen anywhere in india missions are costly let me get back to the gideon's platform do you think it's easy to distribute bibles in india come on church you go to a school and meet a principal and say you know brother we want permission can we distribute bible in your school you think you will he'll say yeah brother please come you know the doors are open you know go to every classroom and go to every child and preach christ there and preach the bible there no it doesn't happen like that it requires efforts to knock the doors again and again to get permissions 
It requires people to get on knees and pray so that those doors can be opened. There are n number of times where people have been put under suspension. Because while being in the government job, they have taken upon themselves to go and distribute Bibles. To get to a place and in an assembly to speak about Christ. It takes an effort. It does not take an effort when you are within the Christian crowd. But it takes an effort when you get out of the Christian crowd in a non-Christian crowd. And you only do it not because you are volunteers. You do it because you are called by God to do it. You know, sometimes in the Gideon ministry, you know, we, you know, every, every organization, you know, they believe in the advertisements. Come on. Am I right or wrong? You know, you want to buy a car. You see the ads in the newspaper. They'll say it will run 20 kilometers in one liter. And then they'll put two stars on that. Isn't it? No, and the, and those two stars will go down and I'll have to wear two specs like this to understand what that written is there. And it will say, under ideal condition. Am I right or wrong? Come on, tell me here, where do you get ideal condition driving in India? Do you get that? You don't. You mean to say, Bangalore will give you ideal condition, stopping, starting, stopping, starting, stopping, starting, it continues. It doesn't give you. So actually, what they are giving 20 kilometers is a lie, you know, it can never happen in India. Right? So sometimes, you know, people... People try and brand ministries and say, oh, Gideon ministry, come on, we will be there and we'll take you out and we will get you to distribute Bibles and do this and do that. Well, I want to be honest and straight to you. It's a ministry which takes your time and your resources both. There are no advertisements. Anything which has to do with the kingdom of God will take a cost on you. And if somebody is telling you that it's without a cost, that person is not telling you the truth. Missions are costly. As I stand here before you church, I have been praying before I, before I come here to speak. I have been praying for a stronger partnership of this church with Gideons. I have been praying to bring a paradigm shift amongst all the young people. And while I was sitting behind there, I was texting my prayer partner and I was telling that person, I said, as I enter this church, I see a young crowd in this church. And I want to see and ask God, has God called you? Has God called you? Called you to do something beyond what you are doing today? To take a step in faith? We'll always have things within us. You know, I have, I have, I have commitments. Everyone, you know, I tell you, man, it's you, you, you are, you are in the middle of commitments. If you ask me today, Nine to six is your office. One hour in the traffic, you come back home. Your wife is filled up to empty herself to you. And you have to listen to her. Sometimes I listen to her like this. Actually, I'm not listening, but my head automatically keeps on going like this. Right? And But she's smart. She asked me a question. What did I say last? And I I get caught there and then, uh, uh, which is there. And then on top of that, you know, if we get you in some Gideon's work, you say, ah, it's not my cup of tea. I am, you know, and if your children are small, you have to teach them also. But God always picks up the busy people. God is in a business of picking up busy people and making the best out of them. God is not in a business of picking up people who are idle and say, you know, time time they can never serve God. As we spend time in prayer today, 
I just pray that God gives a new vigor to your church towards missions, which you are already in it. I also pray that many of you feel led to be part of us so that we can work along together and serve the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we just want to thank you. Thank you for this time, Lord. Father, it's you who minister, Lord, not us. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us where you are, God, where your heart is, Lord. Oh, Father, your heart is amongst those who do not know you, Lord. You reach out to those people, God. You had no issues in going to Zacchaeus' house. You had no issues in speaking to a Samaritan woman, God, in the afternoon. Because that's where your heart was, God. In people of Samaria. Lord, in people who do not know you. Father, I pray that this church, Lord, further, Lord, what they are doing, Lord, bring a new fire and a new vigor in their hearts, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, I also pray, Father, bring us into a bonding. Bring us into a bonding, Lord, between Gideons and this church, God. Yes, Father, a bonding, Lord. A bonding, Lord, and break those walls, Father, which sometimes resist us. Lord, I pray that speak to men and women here. How can they partner and associate with us, Lord? Thank you for the help. Thank you for the spiritual food which I have received here, Lord, today in my time of worship. I pray that you bless all who are here. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.